Welcome to When Belief Dies, a podcast honestly reflecting on faith, religion, and life. Hey, listen, I want to ask you to do two things. The first one is, would you go over to Apple Podcasts, search for When Belief Dies, and leave us a five-star rating and review? Every rating and review on Apple Podcasts helps to boost the visibility, and we want listeners like you to be able to find this show. The second thing is, would you consider supporting this show on Patreon? This show will always be an ad-free place, but your support on Patreon will enable us to do more and more over the coming years. So have a think, and if you can, support the show. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Good day, and welcome to When Belief Dies. I am feeling the privilege of introing again after a little hiatus of letting Sam have the honour. But now I am back, my lovely voice for your lovely ears. Now I am David, and I am joined by Sam. How are you doing, Sam? I'm okay. I feel I feel a little bit, um, I don't know, bad for letting you intro now, seeing you start off with good day, which just felt weird. But sure, if that's where you want to go with it, you go with it, Dave. Well, I was going to say good morning, but then I was like, but what if the listener is listening in the afternoon or the evening? Then that would feel very odd. So I, I decided that good day would feel less odd, even though I'm not Australian, than saying good morning and it'd be the evening. Anyway, I, I went with that, and that's where we are now. So Sam is here, I'm here, and it is just us. We are on our own. Um, we have no guest this time. It is purely our voices. Um, but what we wanted to do today, and the reason we have done this, and we have no special intelligent person to speak to, you have to make do with our brains, is we wanted to discuss how we are now compared to the first episode. So we have done 20 or so episodes of this podcast. And at the very first episode, we um, we discussed how this will be a journey, a conversation as we go through and tackle all the different subjects and areas that have been going through our lives or we've spoken about other, with other people and so we thought it'd be more fun to basically say where are we now and what do we think now and what has changed what has remained the same have we gone back to certain views or left certain views and how will we be moving forward into the next episodes and so that's where we're going so we may as well to kick straight on might we um sam then from where you were in episode one when we recorded in a room <laughs> with a very bad mic. Um, your mic's improved, mine has remained the same. How, how are you now? What has changed, what has not? Do you want to summarize? Do you want to spend a few minutes with a little spiel or should we ban back and forward? This is a very open mic podcast. I feel like that, I'm getting the idea that you're, just, you're not quite sure where it's gonna go, so you're just gonna keep talking. <laughs> Yeah, um, as I said, to go back to a episode one analogy, we are in the forest of tangents. Um, we we have we went camping in the forest of tangents. We're now lost. So <laughs> we have a general direction of where we think we're going, which is north according to our compass. But to get there, we might have to cross several streams and get lost in, in another part of the woods and maybe attacked by a couple of bears. So we will eventually get somewhere. But I thought I'd start now. That's fair. I think the forest of questions is a good place to be lost, and um, I reckon we'll be here for a few years. Um, but that's okay. I think we, well, I say we, I, I've definitely learned loads over the last, um, well, we've actually been recording these episodes, Dave, since, well, it's, it's, it has been a year. So I obviously left the place where you still work in January 2020. Um, and we started recording back in kind of October uh, 2019. So th- that first episode was recorded all the way back in October 2019. And we kind of had had a few random ones back from then. And then we kind of jumped into kind of June where 
uh, June 2020 where we began releasing those. And um, obviously, since then we've had loads of people on. We've got loads of people on, and actually, you know, just just looking at the at the run sheet, we've actually not got a a just you and me episode for a couple of months now, which is mental. Um, but I'm sure some will drop out. We can we can squeeze one in. But well, yeah, well, what's also funny is the fact that the first episode we had to like retake it like twice. <laughs> it was ridiculous, and we also we also filmed it thinking that maybe this could be like some sort of vlog. Um, or like video YouTube thing, and then realise that both of us look like shit, so we probably should never do that. Well, I mean, you can speak for yourself. I, I think I'm a, I'm a solid seven, but uh, yes, we decided that video would be far more complicated and easier, much easier doing audio. But yeah, we, we we definitely did not one take that episode and had to re-record a couple of times, which was weird because we had to give the same sort of reaction as if it was new when it most sort of definitely wasn't that we'd heard it like four times before it's so strange how it works and uh yeah it's it's been really really cool to kind of see the podcast slowly grow and that meaning that actually we can talk to a a variety of different people at different levels just you know everyday people on the street who are just asking questions up to kind of like you know we're, we're literally looking at talking to kind of professors of universities within specific fields and asking them their opinions on some of these topics and I think that's a really special place to be at and I just don't want to kind of ever ever neglect the fact that we are just two lads who have questions who are definitely confused about faith and religion and just want to get down to the bottom of it and work out what what is actually going on here and is there anything to actually go with and if there isn't why are so many people still following it like it's real um and yeah so i mean these this 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 has been a massive journey for me and it still is so like obviously you know everyone knows i started losing losing my faith around kind of 2017 after reading uh, sapiens uh, by you'll know harari and um you know i'm still in that still in that place really where i've got a lot of questions about kind of the um the atrocity that evolution is if it has been set in place by an all-loving god um as well as kind of you know questions around free will and if we actually have free will because i'm not sure we can we can know for certain that we do so you know we, we, we might assume we do but do we actually have free will and if we don't have free will then obviously that kind of crumbles at, at christianity along with kind of like the historical reliability of the bible and can we actually know that jesus said the words that we're told that he said and what about the contradictions what about the areas that kind of seem um or obviously morally um obtuse to us and uh, these sorts of things have really been kind of you know still very much right at the core of the debate for me and you know these are things that um, i've already kind of prepped people like trent horn or um graham oppie or you know others that we're going to have on the show in the near future to kind of talk about because these are the issues that i think are fundamental to this for me um the thing that i found that i've the thing that i found that's changed for me um and then i'll shut up and let it, let it come back over to you mate is um i'm really worried that there is a section of the internet which only ever kind of looks at uh, people at the left religion and they talk about the same things consistently kind of why did you leave religion what was it about religion that didn't make you want to stay in it and kind of what are you doing now about it and there is a really good place for that and i think it's important to have those conversations but my fear something that i'm trying to avoid myself is getting stuck in this echo chamber on instagram or twitter or as a podcast or whatever where I'm just reverberating my story amongst others who are also reverberating their stories. And there's like this like choir of like stories going on, which I think's really healthy for a time, but I'm also concerned because I don't really seem to be seeing many people trying to understand and engage with philosophical ideas or um other sorts of kind of apologetic ideas that might come in um, and actually, you know get people on like um, Bart Ehrman or N.T. Wright and actually talk to people like that about the historical reliability of the 
Bible, for instance, obviously they both believe very different things, but um, people tend to just read Bart Ehrman and go, well, you know, clearly this is all made up and it didn't actually, not made up, but, you know, this is all um, kind of taken on the evidence that we have and how do we know the evidence is correct? We can't be certain. Um, whereas obviously someone like N.T. Wright uh, or John Golden Gay or, you know, people like this um, would would very much be saying that, you know, we, we can trust the sources that we have. And we, I just... That, that that's my concern and that's where i've moved away from a little bit is is i've i've moved from um this kind of i just want to hear other people who are like me to i want to be able to at least try and understand what someone believes to think what it must be like to sit in that camp and to reflect on why someone would be in that place and what it means for their life and their outlook and their world if that place um, is true and if it's not true, what it means for them to think it's true and 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 to live from that place. So I don't know if that makes any sense. But that's that, that's a little bit of where I've changed, um, and and how how I'm reflecting a lot at the moment as well. What about you? What's what's changed with the whole Dyson stuff? <laughs> Dyson stuff, yeah. Well, I mean, just to uh, go back to what you're saying there, this um, I found that uh, since raising questions and being involved in this, and therefore talking to some of the people that you have been speaking to for a while, um, and listening to some people on uh, the internet there was definitely this this trend to like come and join our church of unbelief uh, it's like oh great you're questioning your thing come and join our club um come and join this club come and be part of this and I, I found that really funny i was like it's like i don't want to join any of your clubs like i'm i'm not sure if i want to be in the club i'm in at the moment <laughs> my immediate reaction isn't to <laughs> then go and join a new club um it it almost feels like uh if you end a bad relationship and your mates try and get would try and get you to go and like find a rebound person or something. It's like, <laughs> leave me alone. Like, I don't want to join another club. That's the whole point. My, my problem was mainly with the club um, as much as anything else. And so I found that really funny. Like there's, there seems to be this deep need for people to get people in to join their thing. So like to, val to like validate their opinions and views, you almost need to get a, a following or be part of a following or justify it by, um, having people who agree with you, uh, which, yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said there. I mean, you can look at some some YouTube um, like content creators in the, I mean, any field, but I have noticed from some of the sort of well-known atheist channels is that if you ever read the comment sections, they're just, it's, it's full of just angry people from the seams of it. I mean, they might not be angry, but they certainly type angry. Um, and it's, it's been interesting to see uh, my eyes have been opened slightly to the uh, this this idea that yeah the comments are very much um, viewpoint A they're a bunch of idiots and then viewpoint A are like viewpoint B is a bunch of idiots um, it's just I mean it's not much different to say current politics or the current world we live in where you, you for some reason you're not allowed to I don't know be friends and disagree with one another and I think it's just really sad like um, people who are grounded and uh, mature in themselves are happy to disagree with people and still get along with them like um and there seems to be a, a lack of that uh, and th there seems to be this, this desire to only be around people you agree with and that's just yeah that's just silly like if, if you spend your life only being around those you agree with then well I have, it's just a bad place to be you only grow and know what you think by being challenged and um uh, having to justify back up um defend your views yeah and, and it's healthy to defend the views like and it's, it's healthy to change your mind if you realize you're wrong um rather than being staunch and pig-headed 
I think so. I think part of the, the, the problem with that, though, is, of course, that if you have um, the opinions that, that we're sharing now, um, obviously you aren't in one of those clubs, which means that the people that follow you or listen to you or engage with you um, are going to be lesser, might be from both sets of, of, of groups of people, but will be less, far less than it would be if you were dominantly in Christianity or dominantly in atheism like if you were a staunch christian or staunch atheist and you were just kind of almost um, a spokesperson for the for that belief system um you're going to have those around you that really enjoy what you do because you're backing up their their views um and obviously if you're taking a middle ground where you're just trying to work out like well, what is actually true and what is real and why do people believe this stuff and what you know what what does this kind of um philosophical argument mean for my belief systems and does it actually affect and change the way i think about stuff if you if you're asking those questions people aren't going to follow you not that we're trying to get followers but it just it just means that actually this is a a, a lonelier process for us than it would be for like another in, instagram or youtube or podcast or whatever um channel or platform because we are almost taking the kind of narrow uh, the narrower road um not trying to quit the bible um you know i mean we're, we're just we're, we're taking the, the path less trodden because we are trying to ask these questions that doesn't mean that we're all high and mighty or we have the right answers or we're going to do it in the correct way at all it just means actually we, we we won't necessarily have the support that you might have if you were to kind of jump into to, to one of these camps yeah there's certainly more fun um and I, I think there's always the if you if you paint yourself into a corner then you have to adhere to that, don't you? Which is, I've always been uncomfortable with. I want to just be able to say what I want to say without feeling like I need to justify it to the people who support me. Um, I've always been quite keen to, I, I always feel a bit uncomfortable if people agree with me <laughs> or agree with someone too much. I always presume I must or they must be wrong. Um, but I, I do find it funny that humans have this need to have these people to look to to speak for them and to be able to point people to to what to agree with what they think i mean it happens in the christian world you have big christian leaders and this happens in the atheist world where you have these big atheist speakers um and it, it happens in all other areas as well obviously but there's this desire to have these people it's like i follow this person i agree with him and her or whatever i just find that quite funny <laughs> it's just like just stand on your own two feet it's all cool you don't have to don't have to follow these people or be part of this club yeah figure out what you think anyway so um yeah it's been it's been an interesting uh it's, yeah i can't believe it's over a year that's pretty crazy i mean obviously we didn't release the podcast for a lot later but yeah a year of this a bit more than a year of those discussions um when we first started speaking about this would have been what a year and a half a year and a half ago something like that yeah it's when i would have basically started that apologetics book club at the place that you that you still work um because I was starting to you know, doubt these things and wanted people who maybe didn't know that to kind of debate with me and to push back. And I would say, you know, this is what a classic atheist argument would look like. Or this is what a kind of an, an anti-Christian or a naturalist argument would look like. I mean, what would you say the best response is? And yeah, that's when it happened. I think obviously a big, a big thing for you, and I know I said the Dyson thing before, but a big thing for you was that kind of um, that kind of disparity between the fact that you would happily talk to somebody on the bus about this Dyson vacuum cleaner that, that, that your missus made you buy um, with your savings um, compared to, you know, the the truth revealed in Christ of eternal salvation for those who believe in him. Um, and that for you made you kind of go, well, that's weird that my heart doesn't seem to be following what my head says. Um, like has has anything really changed in, in that front? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it hasn't, but I don't want to just say anything like, are you, are you still very much class yourself as on the fence, Dave? Um, yeah, 100%. Um, I think 
it is one of those areas which the realization of that was quite profound. I think I said at the time that the realization of, oh, maybe I don't believe this, allowed questions to be asked internally that I never gave my permission, myself permission to ask before, which in hindsight is, is really powerful as well because it felt as if there was loads of things I didn't intentionally didn't look into or entertain or give time for in the way I thought because I knew it would potentially chip away at the thing that I believed. Um, it, examples would be evolution. I really didn't look into evolution because I didn't want to really learn too much about it um, because I knew it would be a real challenge because of time. Time is such a key thing in the history of the world. The fact that the world is so old and humanity is so old, yet the written history of Yahweh is very young, relatively. And that's a real challenge and shouldn't, something be, shouldn't be overlooked. The fact that We've said it multiple times, but the fact that the Bible is only three and a half thousand years old, I say only, is because recognized human civilization is 7,000 years old, like the Sumerians and whatnot had cities and stuff in 6,000 BC, which is mind boggling. Um, and so there was, there was genuine human civilization of cities and trade and across thousands of miles, all these cultures and groups of people who lived and died and breathed and worked and traded and fought and, and there was no writing existed, obviously, for some of that. And yet there was no Yahweh in that. There was no mention of him. There's no um, history of him. And that's only in Mesopotamia. Obviously, you've got civilizations in China. You've got civilizations in South America and obviously other places in the world. But I'm talking about like built civilizations and the cities. And that was just a mind blow. I, I, but what I mean is I, I kind of knew that. I almost refused to look at it because I knew that would be a, a challenge I didn't want to take on. And then after that whole Dyson thing, when I asked that question of, do I actually believe this? It almost like opened up a door of permission to therefore actually look into this stuff. sapiens sam i also read sapiens on your recommendation because it was one of the book club books that was why um and that blew my mind as well because i had no idea about um i i didn't really know much about evolution so I, it sounds really silly coming from someone who was born and raised in the west um but i, I told this to sam this is actually quite an interesting story and I, i've only thought of this recently remembered which, that was when i was younger i, I loved nature documentaries and i, I loved learning david attenborough what a hero and I remember there was two occasions, uh, I love dinosaurs as well, there was two occasions when I realized why I didn't look at evolution. And this is like a classic blame your parents thing, but hey, it's the reality. Um, no hard feelings, it's just interesting looking back and realizing where your views come from and how- <laughs> Screw pro- you, mom and dad. <laughs> well, it's Sorry. Been, well, it's, it's a bit like that, but it's not meant to be, because it's just a realization that the, the profound impact of the things that you're brought up in have on your life even if you don't really think about them. And then when you look back, you realize that it's had a profound impact. So there were two things in regards to evolution that sort of stopped me looking into it. Um, was, so my mum is, um, I suppose she would technically classically like an evangelical Christian. Um, and I remember loved dinosaurs. And then I got all the, I read a lot about it. And the idea that like dinosaurs were tens of millions of years old. And I remember saying something on the lines of like, oh, this dinosaur is this many millions of years old. 
and that got shut down as ridiculous because the world is not that old. And that was like when I was maybe about six. And then I remember being, I can't remember how old it was, but I'd watched a documentary on the dinosaurs again. I think it was the David Attenborough one because, well, it probably wasn't, but in my memory, it's always David Attenborough because if you're going to have a memory of someone, make it David Attenborough with his lovely voice. Um, and I remember at the end, it was talking about dinosaurs going extinct, but then it cuts this idea of, well, are they extinct? Question mark. And then talked about how birds are these sort of descendants of dinosaurs. Um, in, in at least they could be, etc. All those, all the everything around that, and I was like, this blew my mind. I was so excited about this information that dinosaurs didn't necessarily all go extinct and they evolved into birds. And I remember that getting shut down as well. Like, don't be ridiculous. That's that's um, ridiculous. The world isn't that all that old. And I realised that they were the points that stopped me, like following or looking into or investigating, which was really sad because the world is fascinating and. Evolution was such a threat and embedded as such a threat to God um, at a really early stage of my life. Um, and I just think it's funny that it there was the point where it was shut down. And it isn't until the last nine months that I've actually like actually read into evolution as if it's real and not made up. Like I'd watch the nature documentaries. I still love them. And whenever they mention like millions or billions of years old, I would like... In almost intentionally ignore it, <laughs> which is, I looking back and I can't believe that's normal, but it must be normal for people. Like that's a funny example, but people must do that all the time, because it's things like I, I now struggle with lots of things because of like the history of the Bible, um, especially the Old Testament. Like you can debate the New Testament and like are the accounts reliable and all the arguments around that. Fine, it's almost okay. Let's put that on the side for a second. But the Old Testament's a whole different story because there's so little record of the Old Testament like actually happening. So the Exodus, there's just no record of it happening, which just take a step back. Like one of the fundamental building blocks of the Jewish and therefore Christian faith is the Exodus. This, the idea that this is history, which is both a metaphor for um, used into Christianity about God leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, which is then transferred into Christianity. Jesus is the new Moses prophesied about the coming Messiah in Exodus or this, and then this constant narrative throughout Israel's history. There's just no evidence for it. And like, that's just weird. If you think about it, apparently 2 million people moving from Egypt to Canaan, which that's a lot of people. And that's not a big space. It only takes a few days to cross. Um, if there was, it just raises the question, if there was a population of 2 million people milling around in that area of the world, which isn't particularly big, you'd probably know about it more because it'd be commented on. Like there's these, these weird people who are wandering the desert for 40 years. Um, and that just raises loads of questions suddenly. Like, oh, okay, that's a bit strange. And then things like um, the authorship of the Bible. Um, so the Pentateuch, who wrote it, we don't know the point Moses we didn't know Moses was a real person um, and it probably wasn't written by him or at least loads of it isn't written by him because it talks about his death so that bit definitely wasn't written about him um, sorry written by him and things like this and um, so Daniel for example Daniel covers a time period which is too long for one person so the, the kings and the rulers there they the time frame of their lives um, is too long a period of time for a person to be alive so therefore the character of Daniel was not even if they did exist, was not a single person. Um, so were they real question marks? So therefore, all the stories about them and all the life lessons about them 
of this, this real. So you do see where I'm going. There's all these questions, 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 questions. But there's all these questions, like the whole Daniel thing, I knew about that because um, my, one of my favorites, Christine Hayes, lecturer at Yale, Old Testament Studies, I'd, I'd listened to her years ago and she said this, that yeah, Daniel was too, too long a period of time, so therefore it isn't one character. I'd almost just dismiss that as, so what? But you shouldn't dismiss that as, so what? Because it, it is important to build your faith on because if this book was not a single character of Daniel, this was essentially multiple characters or folklore or legend, um, then there's a lot more to that and you need to think about that and grapple with that and consider it. So what has happened since I think this has started and we've gone from episode one to episode whatever this is, 20 something, is that um, acceptance and um, internal agreement to actually question things and not just accept the answer of it might be too dangerous to look into um, and to accept that there is a lot more to these things than we sometimes allow ourselves to consider. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Dave. It's really important to honestly reflect on this stuff. And that, I mean, that's even like our bloody tagline, isn't it? You know, honest, honest reflections of faith, religion and life. Like we want to be real with where we were. And you, you, you talk about how, how naive it is to kind of have never thought about evolution before, but exactly the same for me like obviously i'm you know i was born and raised in the uk i did science i understand kind of biology we did evolution we talked about it um i just never really considered it um yeah and that's probably a good way of putting it because i just want to clarify that yeah we are not like your stereotypical homeschooled americans who like got raised by like hardcore christian families and weren't allowed to learn about things like both of us are publicly educated people from the uk where we had to take science and evolution was a key part of the subject. <laughs> so but yeah. what you said, there, like, I just didn't consider it as an option, even though it was there, like almost like, I, I feel like this is what people who believe in conspiracy theories must be like, like, um, like flat earthers, et cetera, et cetera. Like they just, information is right in front of their faces, but they refuse to like acknowledge its existence because it's inconvenient to their view. Um, or, or as I said, it, it's just not what you've been told to is right. I, I just think it's, it's I, I personally just find that really powerful that I am a very um, critical person. I, I question things. I don't like authority. I will, but this I, I accepted, like just almost like hook, line, and sinker, um, and had done for years, and I don't know why. <laughs> and it's just it's madness to me that. Um, I, I, because I would consider myself yeah, very critical of things I'm told and question everything, yet yeah, I didn't question this and accepted it for decades. Sorry, Sam, I cut you up, but I had to jump in and feel like I clarify that. It's all good. It's all good. It's really helpful. I am, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to reflect on the same thing, essentially, just that, you know, we we don't, for some reason, take this stuff to heart in the same way as we take other things to heart. And um, I, part of me wants to know like what else in my life am I just accepting or not engaging with because I'm just not aware of it and obviously we, we are aware of evolution now and it's been a big kind of um it's not been the thing that has stopped everything but it has become a big I guess crack that has widened as the years have gone on because I'm still not able to find answers that seem to at least help my mind put to bed the, the idea that God could allow evolution to uh, bring about humanity um I think Joe said it really well on his massive reason episode you know I was just going to jump in and say, um, for the evolution side, for me, I know you, it was like this, how can you use like this method of suffering across millennia and well, more than millennia, I'd meant to say millions of years there, um, to end up where we are now. But for me, it was the fact of like, when a human's human, 
oh, that blew my mind. Like, I, I, in my head, you know, this stupid evolution T-shirt, which is like monkey, 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 less of a monkey man, man thing. Like, it's just like that's a really bad portrayal of what evolution actually is. And the fact that there was multiple homo species of like nearly humans, are they humans? And there's debate about when humans became humans um over like millions of years and what we've recognized as humans has been hundreds of thousands of years and it's like okay then well, when did they become when did you become human and therefore when did when does that matter and therefore again god if if humans were around for tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of years yeah where how does this fit with yahweh um and why did if it has been hundreds of thousands of years why did jesus turn up in 2000 years ago like the time i don't know for, for me I'm, I'm on board with you with evolution being a big thing but for me it's not the actual evolutionary side as in the death and the suffering it's the time thing that throws everything out the window for me and challenges everything yeah i find it weird that idea that jesus came you know 2000 years ago and the old testament itself is we are arguably a maximum of four and a half thousand years old depending on when you believe the first sort of uh documents were written down and it's that it's that process that humanity has been around for 200,000 years and God decided to turn up then and was that because civilization was at a point where it was able to handle it and it would have been kind of broadcast as well as it could have been so there's no point coming before but then it kind of it raised those questions of well if, if people didn't need to hear about the gospel before that say there wasn't that many people or whatever then what what does God view as important and why why is it so important that we believe specific things today if it's not important that those people believed specific things back then and and even if you look at the way that kind of our understanding of god has changed and evolved like our morality today that we would say is very much based within a christian narrative a judo-christian narrative is different to what it would have been 500 years ago a thousand years ago 1500 years ago and 2000 years ago like it has changed and adapted as we've been engaging and thinking these things through so our, our entire kind of conception of what morality looks like based on Yahweh has shifted and it is going to continue to shift as we begin to look at other things like, you know, the big thing today I'd argue is kind of veganism. And I think I find it really strange that it's, it isn't Christianity that's at the front of veganism uh, saying, well, this should be the norm. And Christianity doesn't seem to be engaging with these things. It seems to be nowadays the world is changing and Christianity is almost trying to keep up with it. Um, whereas it seems like Christianity did kind of obviously push morality forwards in certain areas. I'm aware that Christianity has done lots of horrific things and can arguably be said to have issues with its morality. You know, look at, I don't know what the right, right, right term is for it. The um, the place in between hell and heaven is purgatory. That's it. You know, and, and a, born, a, a child that's been born that ends up not being baptized, that dies. You know, the Catholic Church would have said that child is in purgatory. And only recently, you know, in, in kind of the last 2000 years recently, um, has the Catholic Church began to say, no, that, that isn't the case. But all those mothers you, that would have thought... Did you mean 2,000 years? I presume you didn't. I meant um, recently, obviously, in, in, in the bigger picture of 2,000 years. So okay. it's, it's only been like the last 100, 200 years where the Catholic Church has said, you know, purgatory isn't isn't a real thing um, for babies um, who, who haven't been baptised. But there would be mothers for centuries who would have thought that their child, obviously, especially a couple hundred years ago when children were dying far more often than they are today, that they're, you know, 80% of their children could potentially be in purgatory due to the fact that they weren't able to get them baptised before they passed away. And 
that must be soul destroying horrific turmoil that these parents have gone through um and that's just a basic basic change in the sort of kind of idea of god that we have that we just don't understand um i just find it really really worrying basically so it, it seems that um so from from then till now over 20 odd weeks a year in total in real life um where we stand and what it's changed is that lots of, lots of things we've said before are actually quite similar aren't they it's the similar um sort of position um but i i have found just answers lacking on the key questions i had and so the questions still remain i i do know that i definitely so my my, my belief in god etc is certainly very different to it was say two years ago but i know that or at least I think I know at this point that I could never go back to normal church. Um, even if I did decide, I think it is all hundred percent true and I'm going to devote everything to it because I, I can't look at normal church in quotes. I know that's quite a weird saying because what is normal church? But what I mean by that is a, a building on a Sunday that people attend and sing some songs and listen to a boring person for 40 minutes. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. In any of this and so i i know that even uh, with all my questions if my questions do provide some answers that i could never go back to that properly and i, I find that very strange and I, and I still view the lives people lead compared to this is similar to what you've asked before um compared to what it says is it still doesn't marry very well from my experience and so i just yeah, I don't know the deeper questions. I don't know if there's good answers to the history and the time questions uh, that I don't think there's good answers to. The the lifestyle questions, I, there isn't good answers to, it seems. And so all this adds up to, it's just very confusing. I, I would have hoped that spending a lot of time questioning would lead to better answers than it has. Um, but the, the flip side, I'm, I've... I, I found Joe the last time we spoke on the Majesty Reading Guide very interesting um, in the sense of understanding that there's really deep questions you don't necessarily know the answer to, but they're important to, to, to question. And I wonder why that isn't more prevalent in, in church settings. And I wish it was. And um, yeah, so I, I, I do still struggle a lot with that area. The fact that, you know, why is it that I don't think that's changed. I think that is still a massive deal for me is that that hasn't got any better or worse. Um, I just still find it a, a massive stumbling block. You know, why, why do people who profess to be Christians do very little that seems to suggest they are? It's a big one. And just to say I was wrong, it wasn't a couple of hundred years ago. It was 2007, the beginning of 2007, that the Pope said that uh, babies who die before being baptized will no longer be trapped in limbo following a decision by the Pope to abolish the concept from the Roman Catholic teaching um, from a paper, uh, the, the Telegraph, which is a UK paper. I just find that crazy. Anyway, uh, I know that wasn't quite what you were saying, um, but I also very much agree with you. And I mean, we mentioned this to Justin Bryce, didn't we, when he was on, like we, we don't see Christians acting or behaving in a way which you would expect them to if Christianity was the whole reason that they are in existence um and part of me you know i've been reflecting about this on the blog a little bit as well recently and it, you know it won't be published for probably about a year seeing how far ahead i am now um of, of of where i'm writing um but 
we have this idea that um, what we see today is is the church. But part of me wants to ask the question, and this is just pushing into the little bit more of these honest reflections, like what if they're wrong? What if the church we see today is just a self-help manual? It's just a, a nice fluffy cushion that we hold when we're feeling a bit depressed. It's just something extra that we attach onto our lives to give us meaning because you know church needs to fit in between the nine to five job between the weddings and the funerals and the the uh, problems in life the deaths the suicides the births the 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 different narratives we tell ourselves like christianity needs to fit between those things um and so we've kind of made it this nice fluffy kind of comfort blanket whereas there's a chance, right? That Christianity isn't that, that it's something else that we've missed or that, you know, at least the form of Christianity we see expressed today has missed. And I want to know, like, are there people out there who are living this radical other Christianity where knowing God is real, the tangible presence of God is there, they're able to see miracles, they're able to perform these wonders that Christ talks about, they're able to live a life that is in union with with the one who created them who knitted them together in their mother's womb who called them into life who implanted the soul into them who has a plan a purpose for them who's brought them on earth for a reason like is is that real and if it is i i I haven't seen it but i want to see it and i want to get it and i want to understand it and i want to wrestle with it um but all those things that i mentioned people will profess those to be placed within the christian frameworks that they hold and these are the Christians that we've we've mentioned just now, Dave, that you, that you just mentioned. These are the Christians that we you might very well believe those things about your God, but your lifestyle, how you act, the things you say, the places you shop, the things that you buy and wear, the way you talk, the way you've been raised, the way you raise your family, do not speak of these things. And the list can go on, but we in the 21st century in the West have a very specific understanding and expectation of lifestyle. And it's almost impossible to break out of that. And either Christianity has become a slave to the lives that we live or Christianity needs to be able to break through that, 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 that bond and that restriction that seems to be placed upon us all. I don't know if it can. And you know, if it has happened somewhere, I, I, I want to see where. It's, it's really true the idea of what we've come across a few times is is our current expression the reality or have we missed things or how do we compare what we would think is normal christian behavior with even the last 150 200 years and if you go back pre-reformation what would have been considered christianity then is very 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 different to what is considered christianity now and if you were to transpose that person from say 1463 to 2020 and you ask them obviously slight language shift but if you ask them what being a christian was they would probably give a very different answer to say a a white middle class american christian and um and that's a challenge isn't it so who's right um and and where are those boundary lines we we did a who's in and who's out episode didn't we um kind of how do you decide who is a christian who isn't and we asked uh, peter williams about that as well and it's it's a challenging one because jesus seems very um very forthright and um we seem very um what's the word quite diluted Layered, and so, almost, yeah. it's an interesting one because we, we we spoke to shaft didn't we and shaft was very 
had a very different Christian experience to, say, you or I, um, or Helen, uh, or Justin Briley. Um, and some of the things that he would do and some of the things he said, other people would find completely ridiculous. Um, we actually, like the Shaft episode, we, me and you said, didn't we, Sam, we, there was actually like two and a half hours of recording. We had to cut loads out. Yeah. And some of the stuff that Shaft said, other people would consider completely barney. Um, but he believes that's like fundamental to like true Christianity. So it's, it's interesting. Like at what point does Christianity not become Christianity? And what point does not become Christianity? Where's the lines? Um, so I think you said on one episode, you've got all these questions about history, the reliability of the Bible, but then you have like, even if you get over those hurdles, you have all the, well, what does it actually mean to now? And how does that actually lived out? Um, and what aspects are true or not? What books can you accept and what are not? Take the biblical canon, which of those books should still be in there? I mean, we mentioned before the fact that, yeah, Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it, to Peter, not written by Peter. Um, the uh, 1, 2, and 3 John, we don't know who they're written by. Um, we don't even know really who wrote the Gospels. So we all these ideas of what is a canonical book and not compared to what isn't and therefore what can you trust what can't you what is a reliable account so many questions which even if you you boil down to fine i I believe in jesus um but the the foundation for that belief in jesus and the doctrines are based on the bible which again we're not 100 sure about lots of this stuff so it, it just for me this whole experience has just cast more doubt not necessarily worse doubt or questions but it just has raised the question again of like how can you ever be really sure before can anybody actually be really sure and if people are really sure or why um i find is an interesting point that's good i think it's it's a good reflection of this forest of questions that we talk about um and it's part of this realization that maybe a belief in God isn't rooted within knowledge in terms of hard factual knowledge. Rather, it's rooted in terms of a worldview, which explains things and a understanding of God, which encourages you to think a certain way and a framing of nature and life that enables you to have a lens and a perspective that you live out from and I, I i kind of see that in a lot of the c.s lewis writing so I'm, I'm reading narnia at the moment and people know that i'm a big c.s lewis fan um find his writings very compelling and very challenging and you literally mention them every episode it's great like have, yeah yeah I'm, that will that'll be a thing until this podcast ends in fire and damnation um but yeah so for me this this series of narnia books is really gripping because there's this idea that we are all searching for something and this searching for it keeps causing us to get lost and confused and to begin to want to push ourselves basically further into a narrative one way or the other. And there's this really, really interesting quote from um, from The Silver Chair, which I just scrolled up to. Sorry if you heard all that scrolling, um, which I think is really, really, really helpful. And it, it, it brings a tear to my eye. I'm just going to be really honest and just reflect with with all the listeners, the whole two of you that are out there. Uh, that's, that's you, Dave, and that's probably, um, that's it, it's just you, actually. Um, so here we go. Are you not thirsty, said the line. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> are you not thirsty, said the line. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the line. 
may I, could I, would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its, at its motionless bulk, she realised that she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise to not do anything to me if I do come, said Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had come a step nearer. Do you eat girls, she said. I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it was boasting, nor as if it was sorry, nor as if it was angry. It just said it. I daren't come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I supposed I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. And obviously that's a very powerful kind of metaphor for the Christian teachings of what it means to become a follower of Christ. Like you could kind of sum up the Alpha Course in that. And most of the narratives you hear on a Sunday morning are very much about this kind of like God is the answer to that longing that we as humans seem to have for the, the, the resolution to make sense of the world around us. And I mean, I can see why that's appealing. I can see how people want to jump into it. And, you know, I, I, I myself find that extremely attractive. Um, and this is kind of comes back to that idea that you were saying, like, you know, that there just seem to be more questions, not worse questions or things that are stopping us more, but there definitely seem to be more questions about what is actually possible to know and not know. And I think even within science, right, when you have a scientific theory, you are basically saying from what we can tell from the, uh, different observations we've made and from the different tests that we've performed this is the best explanation of why something is the way it is and we'll then perform more kind of observations and if this ever gets kind of like overruled or something else comes in that that changes the perspective we will then amend our theory um and, and that's how you get a scientific fact and theory um and, and how those combine together and then that's how we make sense of the world. So that's where evolution comes from. That's where gravity comes from. That's where uh, the you know the speed of light comes from. That these are all facts and theories, and we use those to make sense of the world. So whatever we whatever we use, we use it to make sense of the world. And and the Christian story, um, as along with most religious stories, is is doing its best to help you make sense of the world that's around you. To give, I've mentioned this kind of hope giving narrative. It's this. Um, is this ability to kind of weave you, the individual, into something that is larger than yourself and to help you kind of see where you sit within it. Um, but I mean, this this passage I read from The Silver Chair, it, it really does drive home this idea that we are searching for this stream to drink, to be quenched once again, to be able to have ourselves filled with that thing that we're looking for. It doesn't quite make sense. Um, I'm not saying that means God's real or Christianity is correct or anything, but I just... I just do reflect that it is very, very powerful. And I do find myself searching for this stream um, because I think no matter what we do in this world, we are going to have to live and make decisions based on our best explanations of what is around us. And some people say that has to be science and some people say that has to be philosophy and some people have to say it doesn't matter. Just use the best that you have around you and make the most sense of what you can. Uh, but we all have to do that. We all have to live in our frameworks to echo um what you just said i love that phrase um i also find i still find the story of jesus really profound like the teaching the ideas about like this sacrificial living and 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 loving your enemies like like that as a notion is significant 
because um, and that's amazing. As someone who hates you and wants the worst from you, you are to love as if they were like a family member or a brother. And that is incredible. Like that idea of lifestyle is is mind blowing. So all those sort of things I, I find profound. It's just this, yeah, all, all the background to that and the, um, yeah, how are we just trying our best and how do we know that if, if this is spot on? And I suppose that makes me slightly cautious about people who are adamant about what they think and believe. Like get people who are adamant that it's true, be that Christianity or Islam or uh, Mormonism. Because I, I just wonder, how can, can you be sure of anything? And if you are so assured, have you actually ever looked beyond the immediate? Because it, it almost feels as if you have looked beyond the immediate. I don't think you could ever be so sure. Um, and so, I yeah, I, I find that whole area quite difficult. I've come to a point, you said, am I still sitting on the fence earlier? And I would say, yes, 100%. I'm fully on that fence. So on that fence, it's more like a, like a large wall where you can lay out like sort of the Hadrian's wall of un, not knowing where I stand. So it's not sitting on an uncomfortable fence. It's quite a broad uh, structure. Uh, <laughs> so I can, I can lounge out. <laughs> but the, the, the point there is that, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't feel like this, it's like the fence analogy feels like a wobbly point where you're sitting on this very thin thing and you could, you could tip over either way. And I, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like this you know, edifice where you can just stand and you can look at both sides or realizing that this wall stretches a long way and ends up covering quite a lot of area with different sides, even though the sides are two weaves and arcs over hills and across countryside where the landscape changes. Um, and I just feel, yeah, how can you, how can you know for sure? And uh, there are so many questions which remain unanswered and you have to really try hard to justify them. The example being, yeah, uh, the time one linking to other civilizations. So people in South America wouldn't have heard about the gospel until the 1400s, roughly. So it's only the last few hundred years, that, uh, several hundred years, that a whole area of the world knew about Yahweh, which, yeah, I mean, just, just uh, like if, if you're so assured of your belief and you're comfortable with that as notion, that's strange to me um and one of the responses would be where you as paul says you're judged by how you act um and whether you lived a good life or not well why tell them about the gospel then and that's a question i never heard anyone give me a decent answer for like it, it's surely then it's worse to be told about the gospel if if you're not told about the gospel you're lived on just uh, do you live a reasonably reasonable life like i think most people would if if the expectation if you hear the gospel is to live this radical life, but the expectation if you don't hear the gospel is to live just a good moral life, then I think most people will take the second option because it's significantly easier um, and more achievable. So, and what's the advantage of hearing about the gospel if it doesn't matter if you don't? So, that, so either it matters if you hear the gospel or it doesn't. And if, if it matters, therefore, why did so many people not hear about it until very recently and some people never hear about it? What happens to them? And if it doesn't matter if people hear the gospel, then why do we want to tell people? Because surely it puts them in a worse situation. Do you see where I'm coming from from that? That's a massive question. And one I don't ever hear anybody talk about. Yeah, no, I, I do. I think it's a really important one to reflect on um, because there is a great swath of people that had never heard and have 
gone on or died or whatever phrase you want to use who never had the chance to engage with it and to work it through um, but if the gospel is the thing right now that is so important we also don't see people living it out like that is true um, we don't see us people going into hospices or um, onto cancer wards or you know into whatever places places of death or near death and trying to at least have conversations with people about god we see people you know watching youtube videos or reading um their premier christianity magazine and reflecting on their personal kind of relationship with jesus and um i just find it really strange because i don't i don't see people asking these questions who are within the fold and by the fold i mean faith these people in the fold just want to as far as I can tell, this is not, not trying to be rude to anybody, but they just want to get the comfort that they think they are due um, with doing as little effort as possible to outreach and going from that position onwards. And we we don't see this dialogue or, um, I guess, internal, the right phrases here, like discombobulation, I can't think of the right words, like this, this ability to lie to yourself um, and to say one thing and live something else, it, it just seems to be quite staggering. How 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 can we not encourage people to be doing this? And, you know, I mean, I, I can't help but think that, you know, if God is real and he's out there, as I said before, then we will be able to find him by asking his questions and walking down these paths and, and also putting the time in to read the books and talk to the people and listen to the podcasts and reflect and openly talk about the stuff and be real with what does pull our heartstrings, what doesn't pull our heartstrings, what does convince us, what doesn't convince us and where we feel like we are at. And through this process, we are honestly reflecting on who God is, the reasons he's there, what he's actually said in his word, what he's called us to be, what it means to be a Christian. Like these things are massive subject areas and they're things that you can't just put a bow on. At least like I, I keep saying I, I, I long for that Christianity that I once held to come back to me again because it was simple and it was easy and it was here is your set of rules here's your set of lists go and live in this way worship in this way meet at this time do these things simple as that you're in shake your hand here's the certificate of um graduation off you go and like life's not like that it's so much more complicated and again like i don't want the certificate of graduation within atheism like if atheism is real okay let's we'll, we'll, we'll get to atheism at some point but right now it's about asking those real hard questions and going, okay, so are the Gospels historically reliable? Enough so that I can believe that this person, Jesus, who I believe was a person and, and, and in, in Galilee at that time, that he actually rose from the dead. And if I don't believe that, why don't I believe that? And then I can begin to kind of go through that with a fine-tooth comb and begin to understand that a little bit more. Um, and from that place, you can, you can begin to build and move. But I can't help but think if God's real, that he will be delighted that people are having these conversations because this is helping others to really understand their faith and to begin to ask open and honest questions. Because Dave, if you and me realize that God's real, right? And we've come to this realization, there's this evidence, there's this understanding, there's this journey we go on, which shows that it's possible. Like we're literally documenting the process of questioning that led us to believe again, if that makes sense. I can't help but think that that is like, that is like apologetics, 101 that's the right way to do it like we haven't stood up and said god is real and here's why and listed off five arguments for god we've gone i don't don't see christianity being lived out the way it should be what what's going wrong here and worked all that through deep deconstructed our faith realized that this isn't what we thought it was we're looking at trying to answer some questions to be able to rebuild something and if those things aren't able to be answered then our belief systems will shift but if they can be rebuilt 
we're going to be helping others go through that journey as far as I can tell. So, you know, God should be really happy with us. Right. Well, and I, I, I agree. And um, it, it makes me wonder, um, I suppose yeah, it's, it's the question of who, who is, who is more a Christian, um, someone who attends church every Sunday, but doesn't pay much attention, sings the songs, listens to the boring talk, goes home, makes no difference to their life, doesn't think about it, question it, they just go. Or someone who genuinely questions literally everything and then struggles with it and, and tries to figure out what they believe and think. Like, what is more? What is more following? If Jesus asks you to follow him, which, which is of those is more following? Um, and so I suppose that's the challenge if if people listen to this and go, well, yeah, so what do you, where do you stand now? And the answer is, I don't know. But yeah, that, that's that question. It's like, well, which is more a Christian? Would you, would you rather be surrounded by people who just accept it without thinking and live this just normal life under the banner of Jesus? Or do you want people to actually really, as you say, question it and decide? Um, and surely that is better. Um, because I suppose this links back to this idea of, of, of free will. Um, people use the argument of free will of, well, why doesn't God just come and end suffering because God wants free will? Well, in, like, is the church not doing the same? Well, at least by the church, I mean Christianity. They're not doing the same thing sometimes when they discourage or shun doubt um, because surely that is part of free will is trying to grapple with things and struggle and decide. And if you attack that or rebuke that surely you are negating the very thing he uses an argument for god um, if that makes sense i was going to ask you actually just 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 quite quite an interesting one like you know obviously there's both a time where you and me were both very firmly into our Bibles, as in like you know, studying the Word of God and engaging with God's Word and expecting Him to reveal Himself to us in it and being moved by the Spirit and uh, wanting to understand the historical kind of accuracies of, of of the Word and you know what the kind of tabernacle kind of meant for us today and all this sort of stuff. Like we were really into that, and it was almost like a life calling for us. And um, I guess kind of if you were able to say something to yourself and we ask this of guests all the time so i thought it'd be really interesting for us to do that but if you were to send yourself a tweet dave today you know five years back to begin this process then to kind of stop yourself doing it so so far into your life um where you know you're now so old um how would you and what would you say yeah the the ancient age of 35 goodness me that's uh so it's a struggle every morning to get up with my creaking body. Um, that's an interesting question. It's your body. I thought it was the chair. Oh, it's your body that's creaking. That makes yeah, more sense. It's my old bones. Um, right. I pretend to be 35, but I'm actually, actually 53. Um, I just look very good for my age. Um, so I, I think, I, I don't know, because it, it's, a, it's a good thought experiment question. So I thought it would be, um, I would probably just text back saying, read Sapiens. Uh, <laughs> um, because that sparked my interest in it. In a That's amazing. Way. Um, in all seriousness, I, I, I think that was one of the, or or the mirror thing, the why doesn't your life look anything like it, which again could lead to the oh, well, do you believe it question. I think that's what I would do. How about yourself? I think I'd want to say that it's genuinely okay to not know. And then from that point, being able to kind of hopefully allow that to 
know, as in like obviously frame it around Christianity, not just send a random message, like open up a bit of paper and pocket. It's okay to not know what is real and what is not. And to begin looking at it, because I've, I, you know, for the last 20 years of my life, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not the grand age of 35, I'm, I'm almost 32. Um, but I've been, I've been looking at Christians in church, raising their hands and crying and running around and praying and prophesying and speaking in tongues and engaging in something that I have just never understood. And I've always thought it's because I'm a theologian. It's because I am a teacher within God's word. That is the gifting that I have is to teach. I don't understand this prophecy stuff. I don't understand this uh, evangelical stuff. I don't understand this. Um, yeah, this this ability to want to go out and save people and you know evangelize people. And I just don't. I've never understood that. But I've understood teaching and understanding and learning and growing and devouring stuff and sharing it, which is what I'm doing now on this podcast. Like you know, I read loads of books. I write loads of blog posts. I talk my ass off. Like that's just what I'm doing now. And I guess I'm doing it in my own way, but. To, to, to know that it's okay to not be sure and to actually go and look into why these people are doing these things and realizing that I don't fit in here would have helped me decades ago to realize that not that Christianity is wrong, but that the form of Christianity that I've experienced isn't, as far as I can tell, correct. And if that is so, what is correct and where is it? And where is that sense of Christianity that I actually needed in my life? And that meant I could have gone on to do retreats. I could have gone to experience different sorts of communities of Christians. I could have gone and understood like, um, you know, more kind of monastic Catholic traditions or whatever. Like I'd have been able to actually go and experience those things. Whereas I don't have the bloody time to do it. Now I've got a full-time job, two children, a wife, a mortgage. Like I'd need to work and live a normal life to be actually just be able to live and pay off my bills and stuff like it's you know i'm, I'm in that cycle it's, it's kind of a dog eating its own tail chasing its own tail it's just consistent and um and yeah the, the ability to have realized that a couple of decades ago would have meant that i could have really began to engage these things at the you know kind of 12 13 years old and i think back then i would have been able to engage those quite well um but yeah that's a that'd be a long tweet but that would be kind of what i'd like to get across at least I think it's funny you uh, laughed at Joe last time for not understanding what tweet was, and then you've done exactly the same thing. <laughs> Bloody same thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so on the uh, the classic, on the way to landing this thing, to steal a Tim Mackey phrase, um, where so if we're going where we were a year ago to where we are now, so where were you a year ago? Where are you now in as straightforward as possible language? Okay, I, a year ago, I would have classed myself as an agnostic atheist. Agnostic in terms of my knowledge, atheist in terms of my beliefs. Um, and I would have just very much said there is there is no God. Um, not in terms of I can prove that, but I would have said, you know, as far as I'm aware, I'm not convinced by the evidence that there is a God. And in actual fact, I'm still in very much the same camp now, but... I would just class myself as an agnostic and you know that ruffles a lot of feathers and stuff and i've done a podcast by now it would have gone out with them um, with with joe schmidt from majesty of reason which talks a bit about kind of agnosticism and what it is and um it's, there's a few blog posts to come as well and we've got a guy called trent horn coming on who will talk about that too but basically i i if i would class myself an atheist it'd be a weak atheism so it'd be in in terms of i can't prove that god doesn't exist um so it would just be something that i would hold as a belief which is just as kind of untenable as saying you're a christian without being able to prove god exists um it would just be a weak form of christianity or a weak form of um, atheism so i would class myself as an, as an agnostic and i'd just say i'm much more on the journey than i have been ever before i'm just trying to really engage think and get people on from both sides and actually honestly listen to what they say and follow the evidence where it leads
over to you. What's changed year ago to today? So, so this time last year, would say, well, I'm trying to think, what was November? Um, I think at that point it was, I think I said I'm a Christian, but um, lots of doubts. <laughs> was it was the beginning of the first was the beginning of the first episode um this thing could destroy everything i think yeah right on. um and so i think it, honestly right now um i i really hate titles because there's so many loaded things with the title which if you say it people assume a lot i think realistically now i would still love christianity to be true i want it to be true because i find it profound Though I now struggle with it because of all the things I said this episode, there's so I have so many more questions than I have answers. And does that mean you can't be a Christian? Well, not necessarily. Um, but does it mean that you fit the mold that many people want you to fit? Probably not. So I I find lots of the positions of people who are Christians and the arguments for Christianity very weak. And that means that I find it very difficult to sit in that side of my vast wall, which I'm currently perched on. Um, but in turn, I, I find the, the the emptiness of atheism very uh, not unappealing, um, but just again a bit weak because there are profound parts of humanity and the way we think and the way we reason and the way we understand and consider things, which is sort of beyond a lot of the rest of the animal kingdom, the way we use language, the way we know that we think, and we can think about how we think, and we can ask, why do we think the way we think? All these big questions, which is it's a profound thing to be able to do, to have your, like we don't just react to a situation, we, we evaluate that reaction and we can change that reaction, we can decide how to react next time, we, we can look at how other people react and then make the, we can ask those questions of ourselves, which is, a profoundly significant thing. So this is a really long answer and a very abstract answer. I think I I don't know what label to put because I don't like labels, as I said. I just think that there's so many questions and I'm not sure if anybody can truly know what they where they stand, but they can try to follow something to the point where they realize it's no longer viable. And I think so at the moment, I, I still want Christianity to be true. I still sit in a christian camp to an extent um and i long for that to be true and to be shown it's true i long to experience the holy spirit in the way the bible talks about the holy spirit yet because of all the things we've said i find it quite hard because it seems like it it, it seems like it isn't true because of the way it's acted and so that doesn't mean it isn't true but it does mean that I'm standing out and saying I'm not sure if it is true, and I feel lots of people don't have the internal courage to admit that themselves, that they're not sure if it's true either. And so I would love that to be a more available thing for someone to be happily in the Christian camp and say, actually, I'm not sure if lots of this is true. I want it to be true, but I don't know. So if, if that makes any sense, I think that's where I stand following a, what the best part of a year of rambling about this stuff on a podcast yeah it makes a lot of sense and i think it's probably going to be a similar camp for both of us for a while um like i think i i realize that the bleakness of atheism um it's all great to say yeah you know there there is no purpose like objectively there is no meaning or 
um, we're, we're uncertain how things are our best place, like morality and um, and the likes. I found that to be a very hard place to sit because we cannot actually live like that. So the fact that we cannot actually live like something for me means it's it's strange to then go and say, well, that is actually what the case is. Like it's this bleed. I mentioned it on the um, the Peter S. Williams podcast. I talked about Bertrand Russell's like this, if naturalism is true, this is this is the framework upon which we can build. Um, and anything outside that framework is not naturalism, it isn't correct. Um, and whether you're a humanist or a materialist or whatever, like whatever your your base layer is, there is a framework you can build and you can only ever build within the framework. And um, Christianity offers a spark of hope. I'm not saying that means it's true or right, but it just does, um, in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. Um, I'm actually reading a book at the moment with a guy called Alistair McGrath, and I'll, you know, I'll bring myself to close off this day and pass over to you for final comments, but um, I'm reading a book at the moment with my dad, which is quite a big step um, for both of us, uh, by Alistair McGrath, who's a well-known Oxford um, theologian. Um, it's his latest book, which is his memoir, and it's called um, Through a Glass Darkly. And um, I'm hoping at some point to get Alistair on the podcast, actually, but um, it's a really interesting book so far because he's talking about how Christianity brings a collective range of elements which actually enable us to see something more clearly. So, for instance, um, you know, within the first chapter, he talks about the night sky and his fascination as a young boy looking at the stars. And it wasn't until he had the right thing to look through that he was actually able to fully understand or see the stars in all their glory. And he's not making kind of watertight arguments. Like I don't think anyone can actually make watertight arguments for Christianity. But what he's saying is, for him, Christianity was like that telescope, which enabled him to see what he enjoyed seeing far more clearly with detail and purpose and reason than he would have been able to if he just used his, his, his naked eye. Um, and I just find that really interesting. So anyway, I'm going through that with my dad, though, I'm reading two chapters every week and we're, we're having like a, um, like a Zoom call to, uh, to, to chat it through, which has actually been really nice um, and quite healing for us both, which is good because I know it's been, um, there's been tension around that, for, at least for me, kind of thinking my dad is thinking or saying things and realizing that actually he might not have been, which has been quite nice, but yeah so that that's been really good for for me and him um but yeah so that's kind of the end of my little kind of forest of questions and thoughts and tangents dave anything to close out mate um i suppose the only the closer is the fact that with all of this the whole point of this podcast is as you said to honestly question we keep literally using that phrase over and over again and we find things very interesting um but it's to it we want people for whatever they view to take a step back because most things in life, if you remove the context, they are hilarious and sometimes a bit silly. Um, I've joked before with you, Sam, that going out and getting drunk with your friends is just to take a step back. It's just flipping stupid. It's like, hey, hey, friend, do you want to go out and poison yourself slowly? Yeah, it'd be great. What are we going to do? Probably stupid things we'll regret. Fantastic. I'm, I'm all there. Like, if you take it out of context, it's ludicrous. And I think um, lots of the stuff we do within religious circles is like that. We, we assume it's fine because that's what we've always done, but um, it's good to just take a step back and go, why are we doing this? Why do we think this? Where's that based? And it's the same with any worldview. Like any worldview, it doesn't have to be Christian or atheist. It can be literally any worldview. Most of the time that worldview is based on all sorts of different things which you aren't necessarily um, aware of um, or that you've actually intentionally thought or considered. That's really good, mate. And I know I said I'm going to give you the final words, but there's just two things I want to say um, in closing. Uh, the first one is um, a lot of people have reached out to me and said that I'm extremely lucky to be able to do this with you because they don't have anybody to have these conversations with. And I never really thought about that, but there is literally no one else that I've been able to have these conversations with. So, you know, 
just to say that if this is a, a great thing to be doing together, Dave. So thank you, mate. And just to close, um, there's actually a, a listener and and uh, someone who's actually become quite a good friend now, um, someone who who blogs under the name of gapofthegod.wordpress.com, a guy called Lee that I've been chatting to on Twitter and Facebook quite a lot. And he uh, sent in a, a poem actually quite recently that he wrote on his blog. And I said that if I get the chance at the, at the end of an episode, I'd read it. So if it's all right with you, Dave, I'm going to just read this out and we can close with this. So the poem's called There's a Man Behind the Curtain. And leave, I mess it up. I'm sorry, mate, but I'll do my best. There's a man behind the curtain at the right hand of his dad. He's preparing for his swift return when he'll judge the good and bad. The Bible says he's peaceful, speaking love and light and truth. Yet when he comes again to earth, he'll slaughter elderly and youth. Providing that he knows you, will you evade this painful fright? But knowing you is easy, you exist here in plain sight. Acquaintance with him is different, our senses lacking to detect. Furthermore, he's only knowable to those predestined and elect. His omniscience seems broken, surely knowing what we'd need, as evidence robust enough to believe as is decreed. You might wonder of his fury, why his ego feels so sore, how his love could be questioned, our hell forevermore. Worry not, though, if he knows you, as he'll pluck you from the flame. Admittedly, he kindled it, but let us not resort to blame. How could we point the finger at the man who knows all things? Your deeds the past has swallowed, and your acts the future brings. What's this you say? He planned it all, knowing ending from beginning, purposed all things, good and bad, your benevolence and sinning. One may wonder why a loving God would call you to account, for his sovereign plan just acted out, and death upon the mount. But why crave wide deep seas of blood, burnt flesh, its scent and incense? To satire his awful wrath, with vile and needless expense. They say no great sacrifice has ever been in enacted, yet the son is with the father now, his absence here protracted. If he's willing but not able to quash evil at this hour, we'd be justified in thinking there's a ceiling to his power. Perhaps he's able yet not desirous, that would suggest malevolence. Maybe he wants to and can do, then explain evil's prevalence. He is unable and unwilling, then why call him God at all? Epicurus nailed the logic, his tremendous on the ball. Perhaps there's nothing to this, that is, this deity's not real, his coming soon as empty as a zero-party deal. The evidence would tally, and the signs are all but there, for God that came to love us, then poof, vanished to thin air. Step back for just a moment, maybe sit a while and think, if a god in his omniscience would reveal himself through ink, instruct the stars to spell it out, make mountains roar like thunder, don't inspire mankind to jot it down, leaving room for lies and blunder. A life lived based on a fairy tale is disingenuous at best. Why believe in one god fervently, atheistic to the rest? Now I choose to place my trust in things that science ratifies, not Bronze Age gods who die then rise on clouds into the skies. Let's love each other well and truly, not because we've been commanded, but based on values clear to those whose delusions have disbanded. Well, there we go. And I hope you enjoyed that episode. 
This is just to say that you can find links to us on social media, Patreon, or the blog directly below. We would absolutely love to hear from you as your comments and suggestions help to drive this podcast forwards. So please reach out. And until next time, this is Sam signing off for When Belief Dies. Mm -hmm.